this morning. Uh, and also a warm, warm welcome to any of you who might be listening to us on the um, on our sites. Um, sorry, I've lost my train of thought. On our um, Facebook page or on our website. A very warm welcome to you, um, wherever you may be. We do hope that you are blessed by um, our Lord Jesus as we uh, worship together this morning. My name, for those of you who don't may know me, is John Farrow. I'm one of the church wardens here. The theme of our service this morning is the renewing spirit, and Peter Hubbard will be preaching on this later on this morning. I must apologise in advance because you will find that three of the songs we are using this morning, you probably won't know that well, but there are, um, they're fairly easy to pick up. They're, uh, the words are fairly rep uh, repetitive. They're very powerful songs, and I'm sure you'll be blessed with them. Um, there's not much else I have to say in the way of notices this week, apart from the PCC is my meeting for the first time in lockdown, i.e. the first time in three months. And we, uh, please pray for us this Tuesday as we meet together. So that's all the notices. So we're going to start uh, by turning to worship. I want to start by repeating the word that Peter shared at the end of last uh, Sunday's service, where the Lord had said to him, don't be afraid. I am bigger than this pandemic, bigger than this crisis. What I want you, my people, to do is to sing my praise and shout for joy to the Lord. So we're going to start by reading together a few verses from Psalm 57. It's Psalm 57, verses 7 to 11, which I hope will come up on your screens fairly soon. So let's, let's say this together. My heart is steadfast, O God. My heart is steadfast. I will sing and make music. Awake, my soul. Awake, harp and lyre. I will awaken the dawn. I will praise you, Lord, among the nations. I will sing of you among the peoples. For great is your love reaching to the heavens. Your faithfulness reaches to the skies. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. And let your glory be over all the earth. Lord, we pray that all that we do, all that we say, all that we think today might glorify you as we lift your name up high now, Lord Jesus. Amen. Our first song is based on this psalm. It's a composite of two songs, Be Exalted, O God, for those of you who can remember that one, and Our God is an Awesome God. So let's worship God together.
Lord, we thank you that you are indeed an awesome God. And you reign, Lord, in the middle of this crisis, you reign in the middle of our lives, you reign. And we praise you for that, Lord. We praise you that you hold this whole earth in your hands. We praise you that nothing takes you by surprise, but you are an awesome God. And you reign with wisdom, power and love. So we worship you this morning, Lord. Lord, we offer... We exalt the name of Jesus. Amen. And the scripture reminds us that in his wisdom and understanding, he lavished on us, according to Ephesians 1, he lavished on us forgiveness, redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. So as we come into the presence of our mighty God, our loving God, our God who is full of grace, let us bring those things that are on our, that he's putting on our heart that we want to deal with, that we want to ask him to forgive. Let's in a moment of quiet bring those things to him. Let us remember that verse in 2 Corinthians, which tells us that we are, that Jesus became sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God. And that is his gift to us, forgiveness, new creation, his own righteousness within us. So let us be encouraged and let us walk forward with him, knowing that at the foot of the cross, all that we've left there has been dealt with. And let's praise him. So let's in our next song, celebrate that, uh, that the freedom we have now before the throne of God above.
preaches to us we're going to have one more song which may well be unfamiliar to many of you but it's a prayer to the Holy Spirit to come and be present the words are fairly straightforward they'll be on the screen and again they're fairly repetitive so I hope you'll be able to pick it up but as if if you can't sing it then just pray the words Spirit of the Living God come and make your presence known reveal the glory of the Living God let's let, let's pray this together Let the truth of your kingdom reign. 
So let's pray. Lord, we pray as that Robin and Chris bring us our reading and as Peter preaches to us, <coughs> the truth of your kingdom may indeed reign in us. So open our ears, Lord. Help us to lay our own wills before you and to, and to proclaim in our hearts that Jesus is Lord as we receive your word this morning. Amen. If we can have our reading and then Peter will preach. This is what the Lord says. He who made a way through the sea, a path through the mighty waters, who drew out the chariots and horses, the army and reinforcements together, and they lay there, never to rise again, extinguished, snuffed out like a wick. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. The wild animals honour me, the jackals and the owls, because I provide water in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland to give my people, my chosen people, drink. The people I form for myself, that they may proclaim my praise. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, good morning, everybody. Lovely to see you. And uh, wonderful to join in worship together this morning, isn't it? Well, I wonder if you know the uh, popular worship song by Don Moen called God Will Make a Way. It's a wonderful, hope-filled song, and it links in so well with the theme of my talk today from Isaiah chapter 43 that we just heard read. The song says, God will make a way that where there seems to be no way. Thank you, Lord. But let's again think about the situation we're in right now, holding on to, to that, holding on to that truth that God will make a way, but also acknowledging what is going on around us. Is it week 13 of lockdown? I lose track of time. Uh, one day seems to merge into the next. But we are still in dark and difficult days, aren't we? The government is having to make difficult decisions each day about the life of our nation. COVID-19 is still out there, despite the restrictions easing. People's livelihoods and businesses are at risk as uh, people struggle to pay bills. Children, yes, they're going back to school, but in a way that is so different and unsettling. And these are just at the beginning of a list of problems and challenges that are at the same time global in scale and yet personal to each and every one of us. It's not surprising, therefore, that sometimes we can feel trapped in this situation with no easy or good or obvious solutions out of it. And so this is where we must depend on God and claim the truth of this promise that God will make a way where there seems to be no way. This talk is part of a series that Ursula began last week, and we're looking at various aspects of the third person of the Trinity, 
the Holy Spirit. Last week we considered the way that the Spirit gently nudges us each day to become more like Jesus. Jesus is holy and he calls each and each of us to be holy like him. And so he sends the purifying spirit. This week we're going to reflect on the truth that the Holy Spirit is also the renewing spirit who longs to drench us with his refreshing love, his power and his presence so that we can reach out to those around us who need his touch. So let's consider again what our passage from Isaiah tells us. And I want to focus in particularly on verses 18 and 18 and 19, which I'll read again. Isaiah says, forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do not perceive it. I'm making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. So what's the context of this passage from Isaiah that we're looking at? Well, Isaiah is first and foremost a prophet, of course, and he's prophesying at a time when the people of God have a good reason to be fearful and anxious. Their enemies are all around them, crowding around them like jackals and other nasty predators. The land is parched and dry. The people are worn out and struggling. Their knees are giving in and their hearts are downcast. And soon, as if all of that's not bad enough, they are to be taken into captivity, into slavery by the mighty Babylonian Empire. And into this very dark and difficult and dangerous context, the Lord God gives to the children of Israel this positive and uplifting message of hope. How much the world right now needs to hear a message of hope. How much our neighbours need to hear a message of hope. How much we need to hear a message of hope. So what does God say through Isaiah that we need to do? Well, God says, put the past behind us. Secondly, trust God's path before us. And thirdly, water the shoots of hope around us. So firstly, we must put the past behind us. The prophet Isaiah tells the people in verse 18 two things that they need to do. Forget the former things and do not dwell on the past. Let's look at those in turn. Forget the former things. So what are the former things that Isaiah is referring to? Well, if you look back to verses 16 and 17, you'll see. It says, this is what the Lord says. He who made a way through the sea, a path through the mighty waters, who drew out the chariots and horses, the army and reinforcements together. And they laid the never to rise again, extinguished, snuffed out like a whip. These verses refer back to the amazing miracle of the parting of the sea and the deliverance of the Israelites from Egypt as described in Exodus. That was part of their history and a hugely significant part of their collective story and memory. The problem was the Jews that Isaiah was writing to 
focused on this miracle of God in the life of their people so much that they become blind to see what God could and would do in the here and now. Alec Motia says in his masterful commentary on Isaiah, he says this, the past can teach, as in verses 16 and 17, but it must not bind. The gaze must be ever forward to what God will yet do. It was a double-edged sword. One side of the blade was the wonderful truth that God had intervened in the life of the Israelites in the past and delivered them from bondage in Egypt. The other side of the sword is they needed to forget the past so they could see God working in their future. Have you ever heard someone talk about the good old days in such a way as it hampers them from moving forward? You probably caught yourself saying much the same thing in this crisis we're in right now. Now, looking backwards is fine if it helps us understand the present and prepare for the future, but not if it leaves us stuck in the past. Did you read Rachel's wonderful thought for the day on Friday? I want to quote a bit of what she says, as it links really well to what God is saying to us right now. I, I feel strongly through these verses from Isaiah. Rachel wrote this. I think our latest challenge is not to dream of the old as if it were perfect and not to reminisce of Sundays gone by with rose-tinted spectacles on. Remember it, yes, but also embrace the new. The old has shaped us, but it's, it is time for the new wine. It is time for a renewing of our faith. Are we going to be malleable like a new wineskin or are we going to be rigid, set in the ways of the past? Those are challenging questions, aren't they? Do you remember also uh, watching the amazing five minute devotional talk on YouTube from Bishop Jill Duff? She said this, we are at a crossroads. Our world has come to a stop with a global pandemic. So what does it mean to stop, look and listen for God's direction at this time? Those questions, those words from Bishop Jodaf are also well, well worth pondering too. What else does God say? He's also saying, do not dwell on the past. The second truth Isaiah was teaching the people was not to dwell on past mistakes. Their forefathers had rebelled against Moses at Mount Sinai. They had failed to have faith in God to provide their food and water in the desert and failed to seize the opportunity to conquer the promised land. The key to dealing with mistakes is recognising them, learning from them and moving on from them as changed and transformed people. A wise proverb says, if you're looking behind you, you cannot see where you're going. I don't know what your past is like, but most people have some kind of regrets or mistakes or problems they would like to forget and put out of their mind. For some, it might be a divorce. For others, it might be the loss of a job or a health issue. For some, it might be a broken relationship or a past misdemeanor of some kind. 
Whatever it is, ask God to help you put your past behind you. Some people are dominated or controlled by their past. Their present isn't as hopeful and positive because they can't move beyond what happened in the past. If that is true of you, let me suggest that you are someone that you trust to listen to you and to pray with you. There are things in my past that God is helping me to move on from and not to dwell on them. One of the most difficult phases of my life was when I was a secondary school RE teacher, RE teacher, talking about 20 years ago. And I was already struggling in my job. And then Ofsted happened. Ofsted came to the school. I was near to having a nervous breakdown at that point. And when I think about that time, I still recall how traumatic it was. But I know God has helped me and it's still helping me not to dwell on the past, but to look to the future and what God will yet do in my life as I depend on the Spirit. In this time of lockdown, it is all too easy to dwell on the past and let our past circumstances control us in the here and the now. But God wants us to live in the glorious freedom of the children of God. Forget the four things. Do not dwell on the past. So we must put the past behind us. And secondly, we must trust God's past before us. In verse 19, Isaiah records these wonderful words of hope. See, behold, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? The message version puts it like this. Be alert, be present. I'm about to do something brand new. It's bursting out. Don't you see it? Who's speaking here? Well, no prize for asking that. It's God, of course. I, God, am doing a new thing. But let me embellish on the I in this phrase, that first person singular. In verse 15, God gives several titles for himself. I am the Lord, your Holy One, Israel's creator, your King. Those words in verse 15, just before the passage be read, each word, each name carries great significance. Firstly, I am the Lord. This is the famous Yahweh, which is the personal name for God. God himself is the one who's going to take action. He isn't going to send an angel or a prophet. He himself is going to do this. Your holy one. The God who is holy and calls us to holiness is telling us not to worry and fret over the past, present or even future. Israel's creator. In Genesis chapter 1, God created the heavens and the earth out of nothing. The Lord God also created the nation of Israel out of nothing and made her a great nation. In the light of what the creator God has done, he certainly has the power to create something new. And finally, your king. Years earlier, the people demanded a king like other nations. God gave them Saul and David and Solomon. 
but God himself desired to be their king. Now these various titles of God are here to convey distinct truths to us about God's nature and character and his ability to do something new. And notice it's worded in the present tense. I am doing. Yes, of course, God has worked in the past to bless his people, but he's also working with them now. One reason I think this should be emphasised is because we can't see God and sometimes fail to see his workings in our lives. Just because God isn't doing what we think he should be doing doesn't mean he isn't working. There's a contemporary worship song we played um, over the Internet recently called Waymaker that says exactly that. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop. You never stop working. You never stop. You never stop working. What is God doing? What is God working to bring about? In our present uncertain context, that is the question of many people's minds and hearts. Lord God, we can't see you at work, but we trust your work is for our good. Yes, sometimes what he's doing isn't obvious. Sometimes it's only afterwards we can see it. And maybe, maybe we won't ever see the full extent of what God has been doing in this life. But we can ask God to show us and how we can be involved in what he's doing. I'll get to that in a moment. But whatever God is doing right now, according to the text in Isaiah, it is a new thing. There is nothing like the feel of something new, is there? The pride of wearing new clothes. The excitement of a new baby or a new car. God was going to do something new for the people of Judah. Something that only God could do. Wouldn't you love to see God doing something new in your life? And the life of our church? In the life of our world? In his Easter sermon, the Archbishop of Canterbury said this. We cannot be content to go back to what was before as if all was normal. There needs to be a resurrection of our common life. Something that links the old to the new, but is different and more beautiful. Let's keep praying for the different and more beautiful thing, new thing to spring up. So God says to us through the prophet Isaiah, we must put the past behind us. And we must trust God's path before us. But lastly, let's have a think about how we can join in with the new shoots of life that are springing up around us. My third point, we must water the shoots of hope around us. The phrase springs up in the text refers to blades of grass coming up out of the ground or the opening of a flower. We planted some sunflower seeds in our back garden recently and every so often I uh, I notice how, how the new shoots of life are growing and becoming that little bit stronger. In the same way, be watching and observing the workings of God around you and in you. We need to be alert and to crane our necks, as it were, to see what God is doing now. One of the things that God was going to do that was new was to make a road through the wilderness. The wilderness is untamed. It's uncharted territory and making a road through it would be extremely difficult. 
we're in uncharted territory, aren't we? People keep saying, this is all unprecedented. But here God promises to make a path, a road, a way, so you, you and I can follow him through the wilderness. A second new thing that God was going to do was to make a river in the desert. Deserts are dry and desolate places. A desert is like a wasteland. Nothing grows there. And maybe right now you feel like your life is a bit like that, like a wasteland. Maybe you feel dry and barren and maybe no hope is growing. And in the midst of this crisis, it's not surprising to experience feelings like that of trouble or tragedy, misfortune, heartache, discouragement. Many Christian leaders are saying this is like being in a desert or wasteland spiritually. But take heart, my friend. God is doing something new. He can make a stream of water flow in you and in you and in me. He can transform those deserted areas, those deserted fields into fields of blessing and abundance. He longs to pour out the Holy Spirit upon us so that we are refreshed and renewed. What might the new shoots of hope be? Let me make some suggestions. There will be others. People are asking big questions about life. People around us are asking questions like, why has this happened? What is life about? Is there a God? What is prayer? How can I pray? How can I find real and lasting security? And into this situation, we need to be there for people and share our hope in Jesus and the difference he makes in our lives. Or maybe what about joining with our community? We are joining with our community uh, and offering amazing ministries like Ear for You. Let's pray that many people in Basin Hill will take up that offer of a listening ear. The church is being shaken. Shaken out of apathy. And new ways of being and doing church are springing to life all around us. You're on it right now. You're doing online church. And this is if you like, a new way of being church. It's been around for a while, actually, but we're just joining in with it. What about getting to know our neighbours? Many people have said that. Many people have commented on that. So it's, we're getting to know our neighbours more than ever before. And as you get to know them, pray for them. And pray for good, good conversations to take place. God is at work in us. As we show love and compassion and care for the hurting, the bereaved, the lonely in our community. Again, we need to be dependent on the refreshing of the Holy Spirit to lead us in his love each day. In the midst of this global time of uncertainty and crisis, God is doing a new thing. He's making a way in the wilderness and streams in the desert. And it's up to us, the children of God, to rise up and to have our spiritual and physical eyes and ears open to what those new things are and join in with them. Isaiah 57, verses 14 and 15 say this. Build up, build up, prepare the road. Remove the obstacles out of the way of my people. 
For this is what the high and exalted one says. He who lives forever, whose name is holy. I live in a high and holy place, but also with the one who is contrite and lowly in spirit. To revive the spirit of the lowly and to revive the heart of the contrite. God desires to do that in each of us. Those last two lines are particularly powerful. To revive the spirit of the lowly and to revive the hearts of the contrite. He will come and do that in us. He's promised to come and do that in us as we allow him to move and work in our lives. Let's have a moment of quiet. And then we'll listen to the song, God Will Make a Way. And I'll be praying that each of us, for each of us, that God will make a way. That we'll see God at work in those unseen ways this week, this month, this year. That bring new hope and fresh life in the strength and the love and the power of the Holy Spirit. Last and quiet, and they will have the song. Baby 
As we start what is going to be a combined response and intercession time, I'd like to read a version of Isaiah 40, the last few verses that Robin Oak sent me yesterday. And it goes like this, Father, you are the everlasting God and creator of the earth and the universe. You never grow tired or weary. You give strength to me when I'm weary and you increase your power when I feel weak. I hope in you, Father, and you renew strength in me to help me walk and not faint. Amen. As we turn our attention to uh, pray for our country, first of all. I want to start by praying like Nehemiah did and like Daniel did, praying for God's mercy and, for, um, and confessing our sins together. So we ask God's forgiveness for us as a nation, for our pride in thinking that we can do without God, for our pride that thinks us better than other racial groups, than other religious groups, than others of social standing. Our pride that causes us to get angry when others disagree with us. Our pride that turns that anger into violence. And our pride that condemns where God wants us to show his grace. We pray, Lord, that you will replace anger with grace. You will, t you will tinge, you will, t uh, you will tinge a, d a desire for justice with mercy. Because, Lord, these are your qualities, and we, as a nation, have turned from them. So we ask your Holy Spirit now to come and use us. We pray for our government. For con continue to pray for wisdom as they make difficult decisions in balancing the needs for the health of this nation and the needs of the econo economic health of this nation. We pray for other nations where COVID-19 is now hitting on top of poverty. We think of Bangladesh, we think of Yemen and of many other places across the world. And we ask, Lord, that you'd use us to spread your message of hope. And I'm now going to read the words attributed to St. Francis as we ask God to use us. Lord, make us an instrument of your peace. 
Where there is hatred, let us bring love. Where there is offence, let us bring pardon. Where there is discord, let us bring union. Where there is error, let us bring truth. Where there is doubt, let us bring faith. Where there is despair, let us bring hope. Where there is darkness, let us bring your light. Where there is sadness, let us bring joy. Amen. And in a moment of quiet, let us remember those known to us who are in need, whether it's financial need, whether they are facing health problems, whether they're facing bereavement. And can we particularly pray for Tony and Dot Matthews this morning, as Dot is very close to the end of her days and is shortly to go to be with Jesus. Let us pray for, the, pray for that family in particular. Let us wrap up all our prayers in the words of the Lord's Prayer. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen. Our final song, again, is one that probably isn't very familiar to many of us. It is called Even So, Lord Jesus Come, or and in this version, Even So, Yeshua Come, using the Hebrew name for Jesus. This is ostensibly a song about the second coming, but it's also a prayer, but we can also use it as a prayer for Jesus to come to us now. And even though it's not stated in this song, I feel there's very much the feeling of love, the deep yearning. The scripture talks about Jesus being the desire of all nations. So a prayer for him to come and dwell more in our hearts and a prayer for him to come and dwell in the hearts of the people in the, of this nation as well. So um, a, it's fairly easy to pick up. So do feel free to sing it as you get the hang of it. Um, but we will listen to it now. You are welcome in this place. Be enthroned upon our praises. May our worship rise like incense As we magnify the sun Mighty God of Israel You're the Lamb upon the throne All blessing and honor To our God forevermore Even so even so, even so, 
So that brings us pretty well to the end of our service this morning. As Tim Lomax used to say, it's been a delight and a pleasure to worship with you this morning. Thanks to Peter for bringing the word for Chris, for reading it to us and for Aidan again for um, keeping
keeping on top of all the gremlins that seem to, seem to get in this, into the system from time to time. And now a final um, scripture from the, the letter of Jude. Now to him who is able to keep us from stumbling and to present us before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy to the only God, our Saviour, be glory, majesty, power and authority through Jesus Christ, our Lord, before all ages, now and forevermore. Amen. And finally, let's bless each other in the words of the grace. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all evermore. Amen. <laughs>